This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. And I'm Jarrett Murphy from City Limits. And Ben, we are starting to get the long-awaited sense of what life under a Trump administration is going to be for New York City, especially in, in housing, or at least some sense of what it's going to be like for, for HUD, the agency on which so many of the city's problems, uh, programs uh, depend. Yeah, and, and, and problems. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we, we've, we've just seen Dr. Ben Carson, um, noted neurosurgeon, take over at HUD. And if that's not alarming to everybody, uh, you know, or just about everybody, I don't know what is. Noted and, historian of slavery as well. Yeah, a lot of problems with, <laughs> with that nomination and confirmation. Um, but that leadership aside, the Trump agenda, and it seems to coincide with congressional Republicans who are in charge, is to start slashing domestic spending in a big way. And so one place they're looking is HUD. And we've already seen, the Wall Street Journal reported, um, initial cuts in funding to New York City for, for NYCHA. And it stands to reason, right? I mean, the math that they have, which is they want to have a, a balanced budget, they don't have a net increase to the budget, net or zero net increase. The fifty-four billion dollar Samad defense increase requires cutting domestic programs, and there just aren't that many to cut. And HUD's HUD's a big target. What's interesting about that is how that cut will be apportioned within HUD, because the thinking has always been that Section Eight, which is a HUD program, has much broader. Uh, political support, bipartisan support, because it's active in a lot of different housing markets and landlords like it as much as tenants, that that would be protected and public housing would be hit even harder. So the $6 billion uh, is HUD's contribution to the overall Trump budget cut, but how that will be divvied up among the programs that affect New York is, I think, a really interesting question. Right, and it's important to say, like, the, the $6 billion number is floated, but we don't know yet, and we'll see. Um, I think you're right. I think the idea of a voucher program is seems to be much more in line with a Trump philosophy and a you know Republican Congress as opposed to helping repair public housing. And that's where it looks like the capital funding to even keep NYCHA units in the bare form that you know they've been kept in is is very much at risk. And NYCHA has $17 billion in capital need already. Uh, so we're talking about a fairly major crisis point here for the city and for NYCHA. And the question of how does Mayor de Blasio and NYCHA officials reallocate funds, if at all, what do they do in response if this money doesn't come in? This is one area that the city is very dependent on the federal government. True, and the Wall Street Journal reported this week that it looks like a $35 million cut is what's in the offing for NYCHA this year. Initial, right. Initial, yeah. right. And, you know, this is an a agency and authority that has struggled in recent years to to right its ship fiscally. They have you know, closed the budget gap the last few years. Their future depends largely not only on what they thought they were getting in federal aid, but controversial efforts like developing sites within some of the NYCHA campuses and other steps that, you know, have proven a, a tough political sell. Um, I don't know that they have room to do much more of that, but some kind of creative thinking will be necessary to make up that that gap. And I think nationally this comes back to NYCHA's traditional problem, which is that there is no city in the country where public housing has, it, it, it has ever been as important as it is in New York. And that's increasingly true as public housing has been dismantled and demolished elsewhere. New York, where you know, some 500,000 people probably live in public housing is just totally an outlier. There is just no equivalent anywhere else uh, for us to kind of team up in Congress and try to fight this back. And this is where 
like with so many different aspects of funding or policy here, there's going to be a lot of eyes on New York's Chuck Schumer to see what he can wrangle in the Senate. Um, but you're not going to get, as you're, you know, to your point, you're not going to get a lot of sympathy or a lot of dollars from most Republican members of Congress for the New York City Public Housing Authority. It's just not on the agenda. Um, and, you know, even though Donald Trump is from New York City, that's not his type of housing. That's not, you know, that's not his type of interest. You mentioned NYCHA trying to get on solid footing. NYCHA is all of a sudden has a small surplus in operating funds in its current budget. Now that's totally at risk. And then, of course, on the capital side, we're talking about this huge need that now looks like it's not going to not going to be helped. So so there's major issues there. There's a lot to watch for, but we don't exactly know what's coming down yet. However, both the city and state are in their budget processes and they're trying to figure out what that's going to look like. And there's a lot of pressure on Mayor de Blasio to perhaps make some adjustments. And speaking of the state and, and city and the relationship thereof, uh, there was news this week about 421A, the, you know, the, the, the four... The, the three numbers and letter we say most in, in housing policy that has been in a strange limbo for going on two years now. Uh, Independent Budget Office coming out with some estimates of how much uh, Governor Cuomo's latest proposal involving prevailing wages and changes in the length and duration of, of benefits and affordability, how that would affect the city's bottom line. And it looks like it would be pretty significant. Right. The IBO projected over a billion dollars more in cost to the city over a decade. And the 428 program is multiple decades. And so they didn't necessarily forecast that far out. But it's very important. This is already a program that the city spends or foregoes about a billion dollars in property taxes per year. Um, so you're talking about, you know, uh, around $100,000, if not more, $100 million, if not more, added to that each year. Um, so this is a program the way that Governor Cuomo has outlined it that Mayor de Blasio is against. Now, he hasn't fully come out and said no, I don't want to see this passed at the state level, but he's basically said it's too expensive. Right. And I pushed his office, uh, is this a flat no? Are you saying to Speaker Carl Hasty the Assembly should absolutely stand against this plan? And their response is, it's too expensive. They wouldn't say a yes or no, you know, in that in either direction, but they said it's too expensive as currently designed. Right, because this is one of those weird situations, and there are many of them where the state decides how the city is going to spend its money, who is going to spend it on. Obviously, in this case, it's a spending program that was arranged by uh, discussions between the governor or among the governor, developers and labor unions, a traditional source of support for the mayor, probably a constituency he doesn't want to annoy too much, at least publicly. Uh, but this is a program that obviously advocates have said for years was ineffective at generating affordable housing. Um, they weren't impressed with the changes that even de Blasio managed to get in 2015 that increased some of the affordability value of the program. Uh, the question that developers have raised is can the city survive, can we still have the needed housing production without it? Uh, the first year that it was gone, there was a sign that there was a retrenchment, a retreat because the tax benefit wasn't there, but things recovered after that. And so I feel like the question of what would life be like without 421A is a lot fuzzier than it was mm -hmm. uh, when we thought it was going to be a disaster to develop in the city. Right. I think one of the big, I think one of the questions here that you hit on is 
does it kill development? And the answer is probably no. And does it kill development of affordable housing? The answer is probably no. But the other question that comes along with that is where is the affordable housing? And what many people say is that if you want mixed income housing in some of the wealthiest neighborhoods of the city where the, the property costs and the construction costs are so big, without 421A, you're not going to get any affordable housing. And, and so that's, I think, one of the biggest questions that people say, well, maybe, maybe there's value in, in pushing it forward, even if it's very expensive. And the question of where uh, particular types of housing are going to go has come up in the kind of ongoing reaction to the mayor's pivot on homeless policy from a week or so ago, um, talking about the creation of a lot of new homeless shelters, anticipating this problem is not temporary, is not going to go away. But the question of where those shelters will go, obviously a politically loaded question we've seen in the past year, uh, protests in a few different neighborhoods around planned shelters or hotels that were turned into shelters. De Blasio has said he wants to locate shelters near where people live and work and kids are in school to try to, you know, uh, avoid tearing up the fabric of homeless people's lives. But that could push against a kind of a, a different um, uh, movement within the city council. Yeah, the fair share movement. The city council wants to update the city's fair share laws. And even short of updating those laws, there's just questions around how many shelters go in different neighborhoods. And it's, it's very fascinating to listen to the mayor's speech and think about this issue of if someone becomes homeless, it very much helps them. It helps if there's children involved. It helps them remain, you know, with some sense of continuity if they're able to enter a shelter near their most recent other home. However, if there are neighborhoods that are quote unquote burdened with a lot of these facilities, that can have really difficult impacts on those neighborhoods. It's a very challenging balance. And the mayor is basically choosing the former and saying, we want to keep people close to their most recent home. We want to keep kids in their schools. Um, and he's revamping the, the whole shelter system to shut down use of commercial hotels and shut down cluster sites and open 90 new shelters. He promises there's basically one in every community, all 59 community board districts, so that maybe means some spread. Um, but it's very strange that sort of the first two or three of the first five new shelters that they're looking to open are in one central Brooklyn area. It seems like just another sort of unforced error by the administration there. And one problem with fair share has always been, and this came up in 2010 when it was part of the discussions around charter revision, is that for the people in the neighborhoods, they see their burden um, across different policy areas. You know, they see uh, methadone clinics, they see uh, shelters, they see supportive housing, which is something totally different to advocates, um, you know, waste transfer stations, other facilities. And they, they feel that full burden. Um, but fair share, really, in, the, in the, the traditional use in the city, is about just what you're talking about. Does one neighborhood have too many homeless shelters? Um, does it have too many supportive housing facilities? Does it have too many transfer stations? So I think part of this, too, is that the neighborhoods that feel besieged by homeless shelters and those who might have some legitimacy to feeling that way also feel like they're under assault by lots of other stuff the city has. And so 
what the challenge the mayor faces is that even in areas where there maybe isn't a lot of homeless shelter stuff, there's a lot of other stuff right. that he's got to try to uh, make people feel better about or, or locate somewhere else. Well, here's the point where the mayor's at. He is looking at opening more shelters in communities that are already burdened by either shelters or these other facilities that can cause you know community um, stress. So he's going to bump up against challenges with localities there and then in communities that don't really have a lot of shelters as we've already seen when you try to open a shelter in some of those communities you get major backlash there as well so there's a lot of sort of political and local landmines here that they're going to have to navigate and he was very clear in his speech just because you protest doesn't mean we'll change our mind but we're going to do better with our community outreach We'll see how that goes. I mean, in general, the speech uh, and the policy are, you know, very, very uh, modest, uh, pretty realistic. There's not a tremendous amount of optimism in them. I mean, the shutting down of the cluster sites and the hotel usage spans five or six years. Um, the goal for reducing the homeless population is to do 2,500 uh, compared to Mayor Bloomberg, who promised to virtually end the problem within five years. Uh, so, you know, a mayor who has often been criticized of, of setting unrealistic goals, uh, viewing himself in a transformative lens, I think people have noted the fact that this is a pretty pragmatic uh, nuts and bolts plan. Um, but even that, when it comes to homelessness, just the numbers involved is going to involve a pretty heavy political lift for him. Yeah, and I, and I think you hit the nose on the head, and that was, you know, very clear in his speech that he was very sober and this is a tough one for, I think, many New Yorkers, including the mayor, especially the mayor, to swallow that five years from now, sort of the best that we can hope for is around 57,000 people in, in shelter. That's, that's a tough one. And I think, you know, people are going to be maybe looking for some new answers still, even though this is sort of his new vision. Do you think this is a political vulnerability for him heading into the election year? Is this a, a potential you know, area of liability for, uh, you know, an, a, any kind of opponent who might mount a campaign? Everybody's going to attack him on this. Any Anybody who's, people in the Republican primary are already attacking him for this, and anybody who runs against him in the Democratic primary or then his general election opponents are going to attack him on this. One thing he did with his new vision, which incorporates a lot of older stuff that they're doing, which... A, I don't think he stressed enough, and B, we haven't really spoken about here, which is some of the ev eviction protection stuff and, and other measures to create affordable housing. With getting this new vision out there, he's at least able to sort of somewhat undercut those attacks, I think, in the in the campaign by saying, you're right, I've admitted we haven't done that well, but I also put out this new plan, and here's what we're doing moving forward. I don't think it'll be great, but... It is a vulnerability, but at least, you know, he's doing something there to sort of be able to slice it a little bit. So moving forward, let's talk about what's coming down the pipe in terms of housing news and, and stuff that we're interested in seeing. For my money, um, uh, my staff writer, Abigail Savage-Lew, is working on a story looking at the Staten Island rezoning uh, that occurred under Bloomberg, which was geographically a massive rezoning, largely a down zoning, uh, very much a response to political pressure from that borough. Um, really kind of eliminated the possibility of significant affordable housing in Staten Island. Looking at the effects of that proposal on the island and on other areas of the city that therefore might have had to absorb more people. Uh, a lot of the focus under de Blasio has obviously been on upzonings, and that's where a lot of the ire about Bloomberg's imprint is directed Williamsburg, Harlem. 
But there are a lot of areas in New York that their, their zoning uh, was reduced under the previous mayor. And we know, I think, understand less in a tactile way what the impact of it is. So I'll be interested to see what Abby finds. Yeah, that's fascinating. I haven't, haven't really looked at that myself, so I'll be interested to read that. On our end, uh, we're definitely looking at 421A as state budget negotiations occur, and the mayor is sort of staking out this position that he's against the governor's plan. If you remember or if you've been paying attention over the last few years, 421A has been maybe the biggest sticking point between the mayor and the governor in this ongoing feud with the governor siding with the trade unions and, and so forth. Um, so we're looking at that, and then we're also looking at sort of where are these other rezonings in the process and how do those play into the mayor's reelection bid and where, what are, where are those timelines. And lastly, we have sort of East New York, the one that really did go through to sort of say, how's the progress coming there? Where's that at? So we're looking at a few things there.